KINY. I'm your host, Jordan Lewis, and today with me are Ed Schoenfeld and Betsy Lagenbach. How are you both doing this morning? Great. Glad to be here. Good, good. Now, so from what I understand, you guys do true crime, correct? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Historic true crime. Historic true crime. Okay. And so... How, what got you guys into that at first? Because obviously, I mean, true crime is a very popular genre these days. I mean, you have entire channels on TV dedicated to it. But what got you, the both of you into it? Well, I had retired a year before Ed did, and I was working as a volunteer at the Juno City Douglas Museum, Juno Douglas City Museum, and started reading uh, some old newspaper accounts. I had a slow shift and lots of time on my hands, and came across a really interesting story about Robert Stroud, who. You're probably too young to know, Jordan, but was the Birdman of Alcatraz, who, which made him the most famous killer in Juno. The Birdman of Alcatraz um, was the topic of a very well-known best-selling book in the 1950s, followed by a very well-known best-selling movie in the early 1960s starring Burt Lancaster. And everybody who's old like we are (laughs) has heard of the Birdman of Alcatraz so I was really surprised to learn that he'd started his whole career in crime in Juneau and that made me start thinking about historic murders it's something I've always been interested in I'm also um, a former journalist Ed and I actually met while he was working here and I was working at the Empire we were covering the same assembly meeting about I don't know, 40 years ago now? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. One of us should know. (laughs) (laughs) 39, actually. Yeah. And and that got me interested in uh, looking into that topic. So we started this big exploration. And then Ed retired a few months after that, and we really started delving. So we created um, first a presentation that was an overview of murders between 1910 and 1960 here in Juneau. And then that turned into a walking tour for the City Museum. And then a second walking tour last year, which we unveiled for Douglas. So we have a downtown walking tour for Juno and a walking tour for Douglas. And we do all of these on a volunteer basis. And these are fundraisers for the City Museum. Then we started about three years ago uh, creating presentations that we offer in the winter. And we started again at the City Museum, and they've now moved over to our church as fundraisers for the Holy Trinity Episcopal Church downtown. And we offer presentations on a particular murder, typically, and then we accompany that by it with an exotic dessert, because nothing says murder like chocolate, right? Oh, of course. (laughs) you got to have something sweet to seal the deal there. That's absolutely right. And and that's why we call the presentations Death with Dessert. Right. Ah, yes. so we and and one of the focuses of what we do, I mean, it, it's Betsy has put out a book uh, or wrote a book called uh, "Forgotten Murders from Alaska's Capital." Is we're looking at, with the exception of maybe Robert Stroud, forgotten murders, forgotten cases, and people who nobody knows the name of anymore. And we think it's important for people to know that history. And also, I mean, we talk about more than blood and guts. In fact, there isn't a whole lot of blood and guts. There's enough. Um, <laughs> that just the right amount. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but we talk a lot about Juno's history. So people who come to these not only learn about some very, very fascinating crimes, but also just about, you know, what Juno was like, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, all the way back to the early 1900s. So... 
what what we're doing um, coming up, starting on February 11th, is uh, a series of three presentations at Holy Trinity Church. They're all on Saturdays at 3 o'clock um, in uh, McPheeters Hall, which is where people have seen Theater in the Rough and, and uh, other presentations. And uh, the first one is February 11th, When Love Turns to Murder. It's kind of an honor of Valentine's Day. And uh, we talk about, uh, I think there's six cases um, where romance of some form or another has turned into somebody dying. Uh, and it's not just people shooting each other, although that's part of it, I think. But one of the victims he was killed um, when his wife threw a tumbler, a, a glass at his head. It was a defensive move, and I won't say anything other than that, but he bled to death. Um, and uh, uh, so that's the first one. And Betsy, the, the second one is April 1st. Yeah, we're going to be talking about forensics. See, it's called, We're calling it CSI Historic Juno. One of the things when we do our presentations oftentimes is people want to know more about the clues that folks found. And they'll often, it's, it's pretty funny because oftentimes our audiences will get into the whole puzzle solving um, part of these stories and they want to solve puzzles. So they'll ask us if there might be evidence still from the 1920s, not so much. Um, but talking about footprints and handprints and thumbprints and and blood on clothes and and it was very very late before we started using we when i say uh, law enforcement in alaska started using um things like fingerprints it wasn't until what what do you think the first reference in alaska we found is 1936 Mm -hmm. and it was an article in the ketchikan newspaper we get a lot of our information from old newspapers um about it was sort of criminals beware ketchikan will start uh fingerprinting everybody uh all the criminals because as the first city the first steamship shop stopped north you know for folks coming out of San Francisco or Portland or Seattle or wherever, a lot of people trying to get away from whatever their issues were in the lower 48. First stop, Ketchikan, cheapest place to go, they'd get off and continue their criminal careers. So the idea was this would slow that down, except, of course, there was no database. No. <laughs> it's like you're, you, you've what got can you the compare new, it with. Yeah, you've got the new tools, but now what are you going to do with them? Yeah. Exactly. So we're going to be talking about sort of historically what's happened with forensics in in Alaska, but also we're going to be talking about some of the cases that we're familiar with where there might have been an unusual clue that we wouldn't think now um, would have been a forensic clue. For example, in one of the murder cases, there was um, a, the guy ended up pleading, but what really got him in jail was a quarter that had been pounded into the shape of a square. Right. That was left behind, or no, that he stole. That he stole from the scene. Along yeah. with some other things. Huh. And because it was such a distinctive coin, um, the people who gave it to the victims the day before they were killed were able to identify it. And that was tied then directly to the man who had, had killed and um, robbed these two young women. So... Um, so, so we're going to be talking about some of those very specific cases and specific clues, but also about forensics in general in Alaska. I think it's going to be really fun. I'm really looking forward to doing the research on that. That'll be fun. Yeah. And I, then, think it's, I think it's funny. It's just on April Fool's Day. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And then, and then the, so we're coming up with a theme dessert to reflect that. And the very last uh, presentation is 
a particular murder that happened here. I believe it was in 1923. And a man walked into a crowded bar and grill downtown Juneau about 10 p.m. And without even taking the gun from his pocket, shot another man um, three times, pulled the gun out, shot him two more times. Again, crowded bar and grill. And they had a really hard time finding witnesses. (laughs) (laughs) Or the witnesses would say, I didn't really see anything. It looked like maybe they got in an argument. So so we're going to be talking about that story and sort of the consequences of what seems like a extremely premeditated shooting. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to just fire a shot at someone five times and be like, no, it's just coincidence. Exactly. Or a mistake. No, Or I thought it was someone else. Or I was just (laughs) angry in that moment. No, this was somebody, again, not even taking the gun out of his pocket because he didn't even, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, so so that is a story that we haven't done a lot on. We've done... Usually with these stories is we'll read a few a newspaper accounts at the time and then decide whether that seems interesting enough. And we want to be able to tell, not always, but almost always, tell a complete story from the time that the killing happens to the time that there's some resolution. Because there's nothing more frustrating than something without resolution. Yeah. You've been listening to Capital Chat. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to Capital Challenge KNY. I'm Jordan Lewis with my guests Ed Schoenfeld and Betsy Loggenbach. Now, we were talking <laughs> about the various presentations, right. but they also come with desserts. So what are the desserts you've got to go with those? Well, I, I can't tell you very specifically. Each each presentation, we have a dessert actually designed for that presentation. And when I say we, I mean actually our daughter who runs Treadwell Kitchen, but is also a nurse manager at Bartlett. (laughs) So she's a fantastic baker who in the past has done in fact, it's oftentimes we'll run into people who have been to our presentations and they won't, won't necessarily remember the story, but the dessert, they remember the dessert. So last year we had a, a presentation about a dismemberment and she actually offered a dismembered dessert. Oh, Enough said, it was delicious. Dismembered lemon meringue pie. Um, and so this year I know she's planning something very delicious with chocolate for our first sort of Valentine's Day when love turns to murder presentation on the 11th. And that's 11 at 3 o'clock at Holy Trinity Church. Mm -hmm. And Ed, you want to tell us about tickets? Yes. uh, Tickets are available uh, through the church uh, website, uh, which is www.trinityjuno.org, or if you just search for Holy Trinity uh, Juno, um, the web. uh, Anyway, it it will take you there, and on the front page, there's a link to Death with Dessert, and you can buy your tickets online. That's that's the only way to do it. Um, and uh, we've sold out in the past pretty much everything. Um, we are offering a few more tickets this year than we have mm-hmm. did last year. Last year, we sold 30 tickets for each presentation. This year, we're selling 40, mm-hmm. so they're a limited number. Um, they're $35, which include the dessert plus the presentation, which is usually somewhere between an hour and 90 minutes long. Okay. So And, and we don't – this is not something we get rich with. <laughs> right. We actually we, don't we make basically, any money. We, we do fundraisers. Uh, the tours we do in the summer are fundraisers for the Juno Douglas City museum these are fundraisers for our church betsy was just over in sitka i was for a little bit too and we did a presentation there about a maritime murder uh historic one uh for the um sitka maritime heritage association uh as a fundraiser Mm -hmm. for them 
and they had dessert, but it wasn't as good as our dessert. Well, of course, <laughs> and, of course it can't not. Be. No. And if people are like looking at pictures of really delicious desserts, if you're on Instagram or you can just search for a Treadwell Kitchen on Instagram. Um, our daughter Maggie Schoenfeld takes pictures of many desserts she cooks. She she bakes a lot. Uh, and it's just beautiful food. So it'll give people an idea yeah. of what's there. But sometimes it's sort of a last-minute decision on what's going to be made. Yeah, yeah. But she does try to, like I say, tie the dessert into the presentation. So forensically, we she was trying to come up with how to make magnifying glasses We'll see. <laughs> Into a dessert. Yes. An edible magnifying glass. <laughs> I mean, maybe you just make like fake glass with some sugar, maybe. Yeah, that's, um, that was exactly her uh-huh. thinking. You obviously know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I mean, I just like sweets. If there's any way I can get more food, I'm going I'm to find a way. That's- now... I understand you're both working on you're working on a book now as well. I am. I Epicenter Press uh, published a, my first book. I hope fingers crossed. My first book this past year called Forgotten Murders from Alaska's Capital, and it features ten historic murders starting in around 1902. The last one's around 1956, and so they're all territorial or pre-territorial days. Um, and Ed's right. Each chapter, we I wrote the book um, sequentially, so it starts with the earliest and ends with the most recent. And in each chapter, I also try to talk about what Juno was like at that period in time, because the the community itself is reflective in how the murder was seen, um, how the conviction was done, um, basically the community's response to the killing, and I think this is still true today, is very reflective of what else is going on in that society or that or that community. So that was one of the focuses of this book. And after I wrote the book, we con- continued studying different stories and delving into them, and we came across one this past year that I've been just, I guess, obsessed by. So I've, I'm almost done with a novel about that story. I decided to do a novel because I really wanted to do something more in-depth than I was allowed to do with just historical research. So I just spent a month in Sitka writing, and I feel like I'm very close to being done. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that will be book number two. <laughs> and my, my unbiased opinion is it's really good. It's one of her readers <laughs> Very unbiased opinion, right. Uh, but it's a fascinating uh, uh, historic novel based on a true case with some overflow from a couple other true cases. But it's more satisfying because uh, fiction can sometimes resolve more things than real life. So true, yeah. so true. That is, I, I agree that is definitely, definitely true that you can get more resolve out of that fiction. But I mean, I'm sure I think. I mean, the main true crime thing that I really ever remember was um, Robert Hansen, the Butcher Baker. That was the one mm-hmm. oh, yeah. that I always grew up hearing about. Mm-hmm. It was also when they ended up making that movie with mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage. Yep. They filmed some of that down the street from my high school. So that's probably part of why I remember that as well. Of course, of course. And that was um, actually, of course, one of the few that we know of serial killers here in Alaska. And it was just an atrocious case. One of the stories that's in the book is what one about what we think was the first serial killer in Alaska who um, actually worked out of Petersburg. Oh. Um, And Petersburg, some old-timers in Petersburg still remember stories about this guy because he was so terrifying. And he was um, working with impunity, pretty much killing with impunity here in Alaska in the late teens, 19-teens. So he ended up being finally arrested and brought to justice in 1917. And um, he terrified 
all of Southeast because he was killing men. He would take men who didn't have family connections, didn't have necessarily um, formal job connections, so they could be disappeared and nobody would really notice or care. And suddenly a brother in Norway would get a letter, a typewritten letter in English from his brother saying he decided to sell his boat to this man who happened to be the man who killed him. And... Um, and he didn't know how to type, and, and he, he didn't speak English very well. Yes, mm. so so the but the brothers in Norway, what can he do? So so this this guy really was very clever about choosing his victims, till he chose his last one, and that was here in Juneau, and he chose somebody with a lot of connections. And that was the beginning of the end. You'll have to read the book. <laughs> yeah, you got me now. I'll definitely have to give that a look when that comes out. Yeah, and we can mention that the book that's out already, uh, Forgotten Murders from Alaska's Capital, uh, Hearthside Books, which is great supporter of local local authors and Alaska authors, has it along with um, the Juno Douglas City Museum and a couple other places mm-hmm. in town. Rainy Day mm-hmm. Retreat mm-hmm. Books is mm-hmm. that. What I, always mispronounce or forget that name um and it's online yep okay now i got a question i know we talked about the three presentations that you've got coming up but what, what are some of the presentations you've done previously because you said you've sold out which i mean mm-hmm. congrats to you that's that's really Thank good you. well we did the first three we did are all in the book and one was the one about the serial killer i just discussed one was the one about a treadwell um superintendent of the Treadwell Mine at the time it was the largest gold producing mine in the world and he killed an itinerant miner in the city plaza in the middle of the day and got away with it and um, and then the third presentation that year was that uh, Woodworth? It was Woodworth the it was the one tra- we just did in Sitka the, about a vaudevillian mm-hmm. performer yeah he was a, a traveling entertainer who pretty much did whatever he could to get on stage and um, make money doing that. He was a filmmaker and a musician and an actor. And and he would tour. I'd put together a small troupe, and he would tour this entertainment around southeast Alaska off of a boat. Um, and they'd hit all the canneries and the small towns and places where the only thing you could do was drink and gamble. And they... This was when Alaska had the bone dry law, which was prohibition here. Happened here a couple of years before it did nationwide. And this um, this fellow, he'd, he'd sell whiskey off the boat or whatever he could get. And his he had a little on. little um, film player, so he'd show silent films. It was 1920, and um, and he had two men on board with him who were supposed to be helping him do these little performances and films. And one of them got very angry at the other two. And uh, next thing you know, the boat's burning, and those two men are never seen again. So um, he's arrested, and that's the story. Right. <laughs> so those are the three in our in our book. Well, hey, I'd like to thank you both for coming in. It's been thank great you. talking with you. Best of luck with your upcoming book, and I'll be I'll be looking out for it. Thanks, 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 thanks so much, Jordan. Yep. Yeah.